May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God our Father through his Son, his newborn, incarnate Son, Jesus the Christ. So what comes after Christmas? How long until the tree is out by the curb or up in the attic? How long until your outdoor lights are turned off and then finally taken down? How long until the cookies are finished? How long until an iffy gift is exchanged? How long until a new toy is broken? How long until we stop hearing Christmas music on Q101.9 or on one of the 19 Christmas channels on Sirius FM? How long until the stores put up their Valentine's Day displays? How long until we take down these wreaths and these trees and these angels? How long until we stop singing Christmas hymns in our worship? How long until we no longer kneel at the manger? How long until Christmas fades and disappears? Maybe the answer is today. May the Holy Spirit give us attentive ears and expectant hearts to ponder the word of God on the day after Christmas. The word of God which focuses on two disciples who were ready to die. People God dearly loves. Now what? Where do the stories take us after the promise is fulfilled, after Mary and Joseph's trek from Nazareth and the birth of the newborn Messiah? The stories take us from life to death to life again. They are the stories of Simeon and of Stephen. Let's be clear about something. Even though Christmas was yesterday, we're not in Bethlehem for today's events. Both happen in Jerusalem. We'll start with Simeon. Jesus is on his first road trip. It's 40 days after his birth. The hike is only six miles to the north, up to Jerusalem. Who knows? Maybe Mary carried her son in a prototype of a boba or a key baby's carrier for this important walk to an important place. I will remind you, the Gospel of Luke starts in the temple in Jerusalem. It starts with Zechariah burning incense and being frightened by a promise-speaking angel. And Luke's gospel ends in the temple. After Jesus ascends from the Mount of Olives, the disciples worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, blessing God. The last two verses of the gospel. Now, back to today's story. Joseph and Mary know what is required of them. There are sacrifices to be offered. One is for the purification of a mother after childbirth. One is for the presentation and the buying back, the redeeming of a firstborn son. And because their financial resources were meager, they could and would purchase the least expensive animals for their sacrifices, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. But Mary and Joseph don't know that someone is waiting for them in the temple courts. No, I'll correct that. Someone is waiting for the child they are escorting in the temple. Simeon is waiting, and so is Anna. I wonder if it happened like this. Joseph leads Mary, who tightly and tenderly holds Jesus through the crowd. But before they can get to the cages with the birds, they are met by an elderly man, a man acting decisively. I don't think Simeon even says, may I please hold your son? 
He simply reaches out and takes the 40-day-old infant in his arms and begins a prayer of thanksgiving. Simeon blesses God is the way Luke states it. You've kept your word, O Lord, the word revealed to me by the Holy Spirit. Now you are letting me go in peace. I am ready to die because you have let me see with my cloudy eyes the clarity of your salvation. With my old eyes, your new work. This is the one you promised. He is light for the nations. He is glory for your covenant people. Now, if you expect Mary to clench her teeth and shed a few tears at a stranger doing and saying this, and if you think Joseph the guardian should step up and demand, Mister, I don't know who you are, but give the baby back to his mother now, then you would be wrong. Instead of anger and confusion, Mary and Joseph marvel at Simeon's words and actions. And why shouldn't they? Angels have told each of them what was going to happen. What God was doing through Mary the virgin betrothed to Joseph the carpenter. Shepherds surprised them shortly after, shortly after the, the birth of the baby in Bethlehem. And they said that the Christ, the promised one, was born. And that good news of great joy was followed by a chorus of angels filling the sky with their hymn, Glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. But Simeon isn't the only stranger who greets them. Anna, an 84-year-old widow and prophetess, approaches them before they can continue their task. She doesn't take the baby into her arms, but also gives thanks to God and does what prophets and prophetesses do. Anna speaks out the word of God, telling all those waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem that the word is now made flesh. And though it's not stated by Luke in his account, Anna is also ready to die, ready to depart in peace. Now it's time to focus on Stephen. Last night, as I finished preparing the sermon, I didn't reread Luke 2 or the first chapter of John. I read chapter 6 and 7 of Acts. I encourage you to do the same sometime today. Chapter 6 is short. Chapter 7 is not. Not too long after Pentecost, Stephen was chosen by the apostles to be one of seven deacons. That root word means a minister or one who serves. Stephen and the other six were charged to be caregivers for widows in the early church. While Stephen was doing this important work, he did more. Verse 8 of Acts 6 tells us that Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great signs and wonders among the people. And this didn't get him accolades but got him in hot water with the Jewish religious leaders. He's seized and put on trial before the Sanhedrin, the same group, the council, which accused Jesus of blasphemy. Here's a summary of Stephen's speech, really an impromptu sermon. Simeon knows the salvation story. Excuse me, Stephen knows the salvation story. So Stephen tells the story to those who also know the stories. He begins with Abraham and his migration. Then it's Isaac's birth, followed by Jacob with 12 sons. 
Then Joseph sold into slavery, who becomes the prime minister of of Egypt. Then Moses rescued and adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, his vengeful anger and his exile into the wilderness. Next is the burning bush, the voice, the holy ground, and the call to return to Egypt to set my people free. After this, the wonders and signs of plagues and Red Sea and the manna and quail in the wilderness. Then the tent of witness, the tabernacle, carried into the promised land under Joshua, David, the warrior king, and Solomon, the temple builder. At this point, Stephen points God's finger at their rejection of God's prophets and their ultimate rejection and murder of the righteous one. Now there is rage and grinding teeth and stopped up ears and shouts of venom and stones thudding into Stephen's body. Yet Stephen prays even as he dies. So are Simeon and Stephen really part of the Christmas story? Let's ponder that. Yesterday we celebrated the birth of our king. Today we remember the triumphant death of one of his soldiers. Yesterday Jesus wore the garb of human flesh. Today the soul of his servant leaves the tent of his body. Yesterday Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes. Today Stephen is clothed with a robe of eternal life. Yesterday Jesus set aside his crown of glory Today, Stephen wears the crown of life, and Stephen, Stephanos, means crown. This is the Christmas story because it is life to death to life. It is our Lord's eternal life, his God with us human life, his humbled as a servant life. But it is not only a sweet, cuddly baby with bright cheeks and sparkling eyes, It is Christ's necessary death, hidden in Simeon's cryptic words to Mary, and a sword will pierce your own soul. But it is also life. It is always life. For Jesus is born to give life. As we heard from John 1 on Christmas morning, in him was life, and the life was the light of man. This is Simeon's story. Simeon who we will meet in the resurrection. Simeon lived in certain hope that the consolation of Israel would appear. And Simeon held that promise in his arms. Then he was ready to die, to depart in peace, to receive life that is without end, life in the very presence of the exalted Christ. This is Stephen's story. Stephen, who we will meet in the resurrection. Stephen lived to give his life in mercy toward others. He gave his life away in martyrdom for Christ. And you know this. Many martyrs would and still follow Stephen. And this needs to be added. In his death, Stephen cries out for forgiveness, not for himself, for that he claimed already by faith, but for those who threw the stones. And we rejoice that New life was given to the coat watcher at the execution, a young man named Saul, who becomes the great missionary, proclaiming Christ crucified and raised for the world's salvation. Simeon and Stephen 
are both ready to die. Simeon saw Jesus as an infant and prayed, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. Stephen saw our Lord in a vision of heaven and cried out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Here is the truth of Christmas and the day after. Jesus in the womb of Mary. Jesus in the manger in Bethlehem. Jesus in the temple for presentation. Is the Jesus ready to die? Ready to give his life away to forgive our sins? To be the reason the curtain of the temple is torn by the hands of the Father? And ready to reclaim that life for all his saints? On Christmas Eve... We saw Jesus as the perfect gift, the gift who fits us all, who will never wear out, who is all we need, whose expensive salvation is completely free. On Christmas Day, we saw Jesus as the word who became man, the God-man who keeps his word, being and giving grace and truth for all. By the Holy Spirit's working, we can be Simeon, seeing Christ as our salvation with the eyes of faith. And we can be Stephen, serving, proclaiming, forgiving, and dying. On this day after the Nativity Festival, on this final Sunday of 2021, we, the firstborn sons and daughters, will taste and see that the Lord is good when in and with and under the bread and wine, We receive Jesus' body broken and poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And we who continue to live and to serve, but are also ready to die in Christ, will sing, Lord, now let your servants depart in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.